Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. I'm so glad to have my son back. Uh, he's been gone from us for over five months, and uh, no one was more happy than my wife. Uh, when he came in through the airport, her smile was literally from here to here. And I said, hey, honey, what about me? And she says, what about you? This is my son. Uh, and so uh, since he's been home, she's been cooking his favorite meals. Apparently, I don't have any favorite meals. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's good to have him back, and, and uh, I love him being here. And, and um, next week, next week, Carl will be here. And uh, Carl is finishing up his second year of Wentworth, and so he'll be playing the guitar for us. Our little band will be back to the levels we've had before. So I'm glad Carl's going to be back. Amen. We miss Carl very much, really do. But praise God, you are here today, and I believe that God has a word for us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you touch me this morning. I pray that you allow me to speak your word. I pray, God, that, that you allow me, God, to minister in a way, Lord, that I say what you want me to say, not what I want to say, Lord. Bless us today, God. In your name I pray, amen and amen. So I've noticed that when people come to church and they have a God moment, they have a God experience. They have that moment where they come to the altar and they cry and, and God pours into them and they receive from him and they're touched by him. Or maybe they don't even have to come to the altar, but they, they get in their seat and, and God speaks to them and they worship and, and they, they just drink it in and soak it in. And it's as if that moment is enough for them. That moment is enough for them, and they go back and they do all the things that they used to do that brings them hurt, that brings them pain, that brings them sorrow, that causes them to feel frustrated, and they keep thinking to themselves, man, I, I, I need something. What do I need? Oh, I know. I need to go back to church. And so they go back to church, and the Lord speaks to them. I, I, I never forget I had one person speak, uh, tell me. They, they says, I'm not going to come back to church. And I said, why? He goes, because you were telling me all the wrong things in my life. And I didn't like that. And he says, how did you know that? I said, I didn't know. It's the spirit of God. He goes, well, that's scarier. I'm definitely not coming back. I mean, that's on him. But I mean, I'm sure he'll come back at some point. But the point I'm trying to make is we receive from the Lord and God touches us and we feel good again. And then we turn around and we go right back to the things that we used to do. Right? And guess what happens? Hurt, pain, rejection. What do I need? I need church. Oh, let me go back to church. <laughs> you guys see what I'm doing with this? It's like a vicious cycle. We go round and round on the merry-go-round, and eventually we're going to get spun off and hurt ourselves. Anybody remember those old merry-go-rounds that were made of iron back when in the 70s and 80s? Anybody ride on those things? I called it the ring of death. 
I, we, we used to have a, uh, a contact between me and the other kids who would be the first one to get flown off the merry-go-round. And we'd go as fast as we could, and we'd be on there. We'd be throwing up on it and, you know, everything. But we were holding on for dear life. And, and unfortunately, I was always the first one thrown off, okay? But anyway, that's what our Christian life is. Life is we're just, we're kind of going back to church and then going back to the world, going back to church. The problem is, is that we haven't really had a true experience with Jesus enough to change us to want to forget our old life and stay with him. Amen. We've forgotten what it means to serve the Lord because we think the old things that we did were fun. And you know what? They are fun for a while. They are fun for a moment. But eventually it's going to catch up with you. Eventually. It's going to bring you harm. See, as we look at the Bible, we see examples of this. The Hebrew children struggle with this. In Hebrews chapter, excuse, excuse me, Numbers, chapter 11, verses 5 through 6, this is the Hebrews. They were complaining to Moses. Now, remember, when Moses brought them out of Egypt, what were they? Slaves. You know what happens to slaves? They're beaten. They're mistreated. They're, they have no rights. They have no ability to do things of their own. Everything a part of their day is mastered by someone else. But they didn't remember any of that. This is what they come up with during these hard moments that they were walking through the wilderness. They say, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. They forgot the shackles that they were in. They forgot the suffering that they went through. Oh, but we remember the fish. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. So I can understand maybe the fish, the cucumbers, and the melons, but the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, I'm not so sure about. But they remember all that, right? They remember the good times. Hey, do you remember when we used to have fresh food? Do you remember when we used to do this? They remember those times, but they, they, they put out of their mind the hard times. They put out of their mind the beatings that they got. Last verse, verse 6, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. See, manna was a bread that God provided to them to eat. But they cared more about being in slavery than they did the provision of God. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. This is what I want to talk about because I see this as a trend in the church. People say, I want to get baptized, and you never see them again. People come up and get saved, and you never see them again. I estimate that 25% of the people who get saved never come back to church because they think that they're okay. Just like the parable of the sword, their seed is not planted, and the cares of this world come up, and it chokes them out. Brothers and sisters, if you want to serve God, especially after that Jesus moment that you have, you've got to stay committed. Amen? You've got to plow the ground. You've got to be willing to change your lifestyle because the things that you used to do, sure, it might have been fun, but it's going to bring you pain and sorrow, rejection and loss. But when you serve God, when you serve God, praise God, there is joy everlasting. Amen? There is joy everlasting. <laughs> praise God. See, you need to remember, now we're going to keep this scripture up here, and I have other verses I want to share with you, but we're just going to stay on this scripture. You need to remember where God brought you from 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11, 13, I'm going to read excerpts from this. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, Gentile means a, a non-Israelite. That's what we are. We're all Gentiles. That at the time that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, that's us. We have no hope without God in the world. No hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you is that before Jesus, you had no hope. Before Jesus, your life was nothing. Before Jesus, you were going to hell. But now that you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you have hope. Amen? We don't have hope in politicians. We have hope in Jesus. The government can't help you like Jesus can help you. Amen? We have hope in Jesus. That is the hope today for the world. Not anything else. There is hope in Jesus. Amen? God has brought you, God has brought you into relationship with him through the sacrifice of his son. That sacrifice was great when he died on the cross. It was great. It was a huge sacrifice. He offered up himself to sacrifice for the Lord. He saved you from a life of slavery to sin. I need you to understand this morning that sin was your master. Everybody understand that? Don't raise your hand. We got any alcoholics in here before that got saved? If you were an alcoholic, that, that alcohol, that was your master. Come on now. We got people in here addicted to cigarettes. That cigarette is your master. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. I gave my heart to Jesus, and I'm still struggling with it. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, because sometimes that's a process. Sometimes that takes a little time, and that's okay. You're, you're working on it. But sometimes people go, and they turn their back on God because they want that cigarette more than they do God, because it's an addiction. Amen? We are masters. Sin is a master to us, and it tells us what to do from the moment we get up in the morning when we don't serve Jesus, from the moment we get up in the morning to the moment we go to bed, even in our dreams, sin owned us until we were set free by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We were set free by the blood of Jesus. Sin is no longer our master. Amen. He redeemed you and he gave you hope. Some of you had lost hope. I've heard some of your testimonies from a year ago. You said, I came into this church and I had no hope. I came into this church and I didn't know what I was going to do, but Jesus saved me. Amen. Jesus took me off, took me off my path that he was, I was on and he saved me and he turned me around. And here I am a year later serving God. Praise God. That's what you need. Amen. Serve the Lord. Praise God. All we understand is that we exist because of him. It says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of you all poets, some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. In other words, when you become a believer, when you become a believer, everything that you do, 
Everything that you are should be through him. Amen. You've got to go away from that lifestyle. And again, I know it's a process. I know it takes time, but that's the grace of God. He's going to get you through it. For some people, it's instantaneous. Others, it is not. But God will get you through it. Amen. But when you get away from that lifestyle and you give yourself to Jesus, you realize that you need him for everything. You need him for everything. Amen. I, I've seen older Christians or people who have been in the faith a long time. They act like they don't need God. They act like they don't need church. Let me tell you, the devil's lying to you. He's deceiving you. I've been a Christian forever, and I need God in my life this morning. I need the church in my life this morning. I had someone defiantly tell me, they say, I don't need the church. I can do it on my own. And I just looked at them and I said, you don't realize how wrong you are. Amen. I need the church. You need the church. We need the church. We need Jesus to be in the church. Amen. I don't need to just come up here and preach a bunch of words. We need the Holy Spirit of God to descend upon this place today. Wipe away all the sin and the sin in our hearts. Elevate us into his presence. Amen. We need God in this place today. We need God. Are you hearing me this morning? We need God in this place today. I am so hungry for a move of God. I love the story that Randy, you did a good job this morning. I want to tell you that. I love the story that Randy talked about with, with Gideon. Because Gideon originally went with so many people to defeat the Midianites and they weren't nearly enough. And God said, you got too many. Amen. God, you ever, you ever tried to do something? You think you have enough resources and God says, you got too many? I, mean, I have. I've been there. And I said, God, are you sure? Are you crazy? You ever called God crazy? I have. Don't judge me. All right. I've, I've called like, God, are you sure? right? But praise God. He said, take the 300 and watch what I do. Praise God. When you give yourself over to Jesus, you may be small in number. You may be small in faith. But the last time I checked, the faith, the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Amen. We need to move some mountains in this church. Amen. We need to move some mountains in your life. We need to move some mountains in this city. A major mountain has been moved with this decision on Roe versus Wade. They're going to strike down this law, brothers and sisters, after nearly 50 years. You guys, thank you. <laughs> we should be excited about this. And the people, the people who are supporting this are showing who they really are. Because they're getting up and protesting and saying, kill the babies, kill the babies, kill the babies, kill the babies. Brothers and sisters, if there ever is a time that we need God, if there ever is a time that our nation needs God, if there ever is a time that people need to come in and hear the word of God, if there ever is a time that people need to choose God and quit looking back, it's now. It's now. Do you remember in the story in Genesis of, of Lot and his wife? Remember, she looked back. You know what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. God says, when you come to me, quit looking back. But we do, don't we? Because the devil comes into our heart. He comes to our mind and he says, hey, remember what you used to do? Look at you. You're going to Bible study. That's boring. 
You're such a nerd. I'm not saying you're a nerd. That's what the devil says to you, says to you right? Look at you. You're going to church on a Sunday morning. It gets in your head. And see, that's what happens when you give yourself to the Lord. Last week we talked about how Jesus handled temptation. He spoke the word of God. Remember that? He spoke the word of God. But there are people, maybe some of us sometimes, we don't speak the word of God. But we allow the enemy to come in, tempt us. And then we entertain that temptation. We entertain it. We think about it. We put it on our heart and we begin to think, well, I'm sure going out and having one drink with my buddies will be okay. Now let's talk about drinking for a minute. People like to take certain parts of Scripture and they like to pull it out and like to base their entire theology on that one piece of Scripture. Okay? I'm going to tell you that's wrong. You have to look at all of Scripture. You have to look at all of Scripture. People have come up to me and say, well, Pastor, that doesn't apply. That only applies to the Jews. That doesn't apply to us. No, that's not like that. It is the Bible. It applies to everybody, okay? I want to make sure we understand that. There's no such thing as dispensationalism, which is what that is. The Bible applies to all of us. It doesn't mean that we're going to go back to the Old Testament and have sacrifices, but what it means is it teaches us about the sacrifice, which is Jesus. Everybody okay with that? So the Bible talks about alcohol and why we should stay away from it. I'm not going to go into the scripture right now, but there's things that we need to stay away from. Do you know why? Because some things can come into us and take over us. Things can come into us and take over us like alcohol. If you drink alcohol, very few people can stay with just one drink. Amen. They keep going and they keep going and they keep going until they turn into something they don't want to be. Alcohol changes your mind. Alcohol changes your heart and you become something that you don't want to be. Brothers and sisters, we are not supposed to be controlled by anything but the Spirit of God. Amen. We are not to be controlled by anything but the Spirit of God. Oh, pastor, alcohol doesn't control me. You're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself because think about the times you're drinking alcohol. Maybe it's when you're frustrated or you're upset or you're aggravated. Oh, I just need to go grab something to kind of calm my nerves a little bit. You're letting something control you versus the spirit of God. Amen. I can say the same thing about cigarettes. I can say that smoking weed has become socially acceptable now. Again, a mind-altering drug. Brothers and sisters, we need to get away from the things that are of the world because the world says it okay, and we need to become a church that is holy and pure before God. Amen? <laughs> Holiness matters. There's been too many lives and families that have been destroyed by alcohol to tell me that it's okay. I'm going to say that again because it needs to be said. There are too many lives and families that have been destroyed by alcohol for it to be okay. We need to become a holy church, amen? We need to become a church that pursues God, not turns around, not going back to what we knew. See, the beginning part of Numbers 11, people were already complaining. Parents, what's the one thing that you hate that your kids do or grandkids do or your kids when they were growing up? What is that? The one thing you hate more than anything. 
complaining, right? I remember one time I, my mom had cooked a meal, which, you know, God bless her. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. And I remember I didn't want to eat it. You know what she did? She looked at me and she goes, well, starve. I starved for about 10 minutes and then I went and ate it. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm good, right? Amen. Man, we, I hate when my kids complain. Oh, man, a holy fire rises up inside of me because of everything that I do for them and sacrifice for them, right? You guys, parents, you understand what I'm talking about. Then why do we come into the house of God and complain? Come on now. Is that going to make things better? Is that going to make things all right? But people come into the house of God and they complain. Well, I wish it was like this. I wish it was like that. Listen, I got to tell you, man, I, I got to be careful how I say this because I'm going to come across the wrong way. But let me be clear. Service isn't about you. Okay. I'm, Lord, you better be with me. This church is not about you. So if I'm not meeting your needs, then you can pretty much assure it I'm never going to meet your needs because I'm here to serve God and not you. Amen. I am not your servant. I'm the servant of the most high. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make people feel bad about that. I'm just trying to realign your priorities. Amen. Because what happened to the children of Israel when they, when they started complaining and they were complaining, God sent down a fire from the camp that consumed them. They literally burned to death. Now, I'm not saying God's going to send down a fire and consume you, but I guarantee you if he did, people wouldn't complain as much as they do. Amen? Amen. Maybe we need the New Testament church in here where people just fell dead when they said something they shouldn't have said, right? Listen, but God did that, and it wasn't that God was being a judgmental or vengeful God. The fire was God's presence. Amen? God's presence showed up and consumed the sin that was in the camp. You see, once sin enters the camp, it spreads like a virus. You guys remember two years ago, stay at home, stop the curve. Here we are two and a half years later, the curve hasn't been stopped because the virus spreads and spreads and nobody understands why. That's what happens when sin comes into your life. It doesn't let go. It just goes and goes and goes until it consumes you. And God's presence came down with a fire. It says, I'm not going to let this consume my people. But shortly after that, that's when the others started complaining. Oh, I missed the garlic. Kind of weird. I missed the fish. Because they're in the middle of the desert. But you know what God was doing? God was providing them. And he was taking them through a time of the wilderness to get them to shed, shed that old lifestyle. See, when you turn your heart to God and you commit to him, I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's not going to be easy. You're going to go through a desert. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulation. You're going to go through sorrow because God is removing that old lifestyle from you. I'm going to say that one more time because I want you to hear what I'm saying here. God is removing that lifestyle from you. He's showing you that that's not good for you, but he's going to provide you and he's going to nourish you. That's what manna is. The word manna literally means what is it? How many understand that when God begins to move in your life, you look at it and you go, wow, what is this? It's the same thing. 
So they begin to complain, oh, I miss the fish, I miss the leeks, I miss the garlic, I miss the onions, I miss the melons. You know what they forgot about? And I kind of mentioned this earlier. They forgot when the, uh, the Hebrew, or excuse me, the Egyptians took their babies and threw them to the alligators and crocodiles in the Nile. And they watched their babies being consumed by crocodiles. They forgot about that. They forgot about how the slave masters whipped them. How they didn't feed them. How many of them died a premature death because they worked so hard. They don't remember that. Brothers and sisters, because, because we haven't totally committed ourselves to the Lord, and we go back and forth, a lot of times the enemy consumes our children. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that if something has happened with your child and they're not living right, that that's because you're not living right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that what happens is we don't fully commit ourselves to God. The enemy comes in and consumes our children. But that's okay, because God can restore. Amen? God can restore. God can bring anything back. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. We've got to quit going back and forth. We've got to quit remembering what was and realize the glory that is ahead of us. Amen? We've got to remember what God has for us. Paul says this in Romans. Paul says this in Romans. He says, I has not seen nor ear has heard all the things that God has prepared for us. Does anybody remember that, remember that old show, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Does anybody remember that with Robin Leach? Anybody remember that? Just shake your head. Nope, not everybody. There's this British guy who got on television, and he would tour people's homes, and they would show off how rich they are with their mansions and their gold faucets and their uh, beautiful rugs and all those things. And you would watch this. I don't even know why we watched the show, but we did. We were fascinated by, oh, look how rich they are. And you look around at your house and go, well, that's embarrassing. They'll never come here, right? See, when I grew up, we lived in an apartment and we had, just to show you, we were, I didn't think I was poor, but we had this carpet called shag carpet. You might remember that. You had, I never forget, my dad looked at me and goes, well, it's time to rake the carpet again. Am <laughs> I remember shag carpet? So I would go get the rake and I was sitting there rake the carpet. Most people rake stuff outside. No, I was raking the carpet, right? And I looked on TV and nobody had shag carpet. I had a little twin size bed with Star Wars sheets, right? And I looked on the TV and nobody had that. Their kids had swimming pools. I didn't have a swimming pool. Their kids were taught by private teachers. I had to go to public school. As a matter of fact, where I went to school, it was kind of a rough school. They got those fights all the time. I was like trying to avoid getting into a fight, and I was young and skinny, so they loved to pick on me. And in the lifestyles of the rich and famous, they had, they had you know, butlers, and they had uh, maids. And, and, and I thought, oh, that'd be cool, because my mom could be my maid. That didn't work out. That did not work out at all. That did not work out even close to remote. I said, Mom. Let's make my bed. Lucky I'm faster than her. I'm not going to say she beat me, but Lord knows I got marks. 
But every, the lifestyles of the rich and famous, they had all these things, and I, I had nothing. When I got married, I thought, well, maybe my wife would be my maid. When I had a daughter, I thought she would be my maid. No, I'm her maid. I think that's how it works. But I know that when we go to heaven, oh, praise God. I know that when we go to heaven, I got a mansion waiting for me. Amen. Now, let me, let me describe this to you for a second. We know through John chapter 1, where it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know a little bit later that he says all creation came through him. We know that Jesus created heaven and earth. He's the one who did that. He created heaven and earth. We know that because of the Word that's in John. How long did it take him to create the world, heaven and earth? How long? Six days, right? Six days? He's been working on my place for 2,000 years. Come on now. If it took him six days to create the world, look how beautiful Juno is. And Juno, Juno is by far the most beautiful place in Alaska. If you've ever been to other places in Alaska, Juno is by, it's better than Sitka. It's better than Ketchikan. It's better than, I mean, some people may disagree. Now, I haven't been to the villages. Maybe they're a little prettier, but I love Juneau. I've been to, I've been to Barrow. I've been to Kotzebue, Nome. I've been to Bethel. I'm not going to talk about Bethel. I've been, <laughs> I've been to everywhere, but Juneau is beautiful. And I imagine Jesus created this. In six days, I see the whales out there and, 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 the, and the orcas and the blue whales. And I, I see the wildlife and the seals. And I thought, wow, he created this, but he only did it in six days. Praise God. He has been working on my house for 2,000 years. Imagine what it's going to look like. Imagine what it's going to be. See, if people only knew if people only knew, if they could only taste of the glory of God, they'd forget about their lifestyle. They'd forget about their old things. They wouldn't want any part of it. But I feel like people come to church just to feel better. Is this hitting anybody? I feel like people come to church just to feel better. Can I tell you, we need to stop feeling better and become uncomfortable. We need to become uncomfortable. We need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, you, you need to change. You need to change. I'm looking at you. I mean, I talk about me in the mirror. See, here's the thing. When I'm not around my mirror and I'm walking around and I got my vest on and my shirt and my hair, I'm thinking I'm looking pretty good. I even walk around the house and say, hey, honey, I look good, don't I? Don't I? I have to ask her several times. And I walk around, and I'm thinking, I'm looking pretty good. And then you know what I do? I go look in the mirror with the bright lights, and I go, oh, dear God, you've gotten old. Because what does a mirror do? A mirror shows you who you really are, doesn't it? A mirror reveals all your flaws. We need to look in the mirror. We need to have God assess us. We need to put away our old lifestyle, 
all it's doing is it's hurting you. We need to forget about the leeks and the melons and the cucumbers and the fish. We need to forget about those things because none of those things are going to carry you into eternity. We need to walk with God. We need to serve him. We need to walk through the wilderness to the promised land. That's where he wants us to go. He has something for us if we'll only just listen to him. Doesn't mean that you're not going to fall sometimes. Doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle sometimes. Doesn't mean that you're not going to feel like that you're not going to miss it. But if you just keep pressing on, if you, if you keep coming to church, see, church should encourage you. Church, church at the end of the day, Church should make you feel better in the sense that I'm, I'm at least trying. I'm going to make it. Because if you come here and you receive the fellowship, you will. If you accept him as your savior, you will make it. But you've got to be here. We need to stop this slide of people coming and knowing Jesus, only to turn around and never come back to church. Because if our numbers say we saved 100 people in church, but only one person comes back, we have failed. We failed. People need to come to the Lord and they need to serve him. Amen? They need to serve him. The Bible talks about this, that the people that were complaining about this, that they were lustful. They were lustful. You know what lust is? Lust is just not sexual. Lust is this is the, the desire to want something that's not yours. See, that's the problem in church today. Is people want something that is not for them. You've got to take what God gives you. Take what he gives you. And if you're thankful, he's going to give you more. Amen? He's going to give you more. Let's put on some music, please. I want to share these last few things with you. See, God gave them something called manna. Manna was a white flake that no one had ever seen before, and it hasn't existed since. It was put into the Ark of the Covenant, but it was something that was specifically from God. It wasn't fancy. Didn't have a lot of taste to it. But it fed them and it nourished them. And where people got frustrated is they felt like that they were eating the same thing over and over and over again. They wanted a variety. Brothers and sisters, coming to church can sometimes be hard because you feel like, well, I'm, I'm not... I want something different. I, 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 need, I, I need the music to be better. I need the preaching to be better. I need to see other people there. And really our desires are born out of our lust. I, I want to go to a church where there's programs. I, I want to go where there's lots of people and all my friends are. That's lust. See, not everything about Christianity is all high all the time. There's some lows. I know a lot of Christians in this city, they like to have weekly meetings 
where they go and they have, they call it Bible study. But what they try to do is they try to hype everything up and they're dancing and doing all those things because you know what they're doing is they're trying to elevate the spirit because they're looking for that spiritual high all the time. They put stuff on Facebook. I receive this blessing. This is blessings for me when it's just a generic blessing. It's not always a high. Sometimes it's a low. And that's when people give up. See, and there in the middle of the desert, it was a low. And they begin to think about how it used to be. There have been some times in my life, in my Christian walk, that I've been so low, alone. And just when I thought that I couldn't go any lower, I went lower. And just when I couldn't go any lower from that, I went lower again. But you know what happens when you go lower and lower and you find that new depth? Then God takes you to a new height. Amen? He takes you the opposite direction. See, the people that complain about the fishes and the leeks and the garlics, they still had their chains spiritually attached to them. They were still slaves to Egypt. Brothers and sisters, it is time to throw off those chains. Jesus said to Lazarus, loose him and let him go when he came out of the grave. Amen. It is time to throw off those chains. It is time to get right with God. It is time to serve God. It is time to quit looking behind and let's look ahead. It is time to be faithful to him and his church. Amen. It is time to fellowship with one another. It is time for the church to rise up no matter what anybody says. No matter what they say to you, no matter what's in the news, it is time for the church to rise up and praise and serve God. Amen. You see, I can assure you, I can assure you it's not going to get any easier. My wife and I actually had this conversation what are we going to do if protesters come to this church? How are we going to handle that? We actually had that conversation. What are we going to do? i tell you what we're going to do is we're going to worship God. I'm going to tell you that right now. Listen. I'm not saying it's going to ever happen, but if protesters come to this church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop what we're doing. We're going to begin praying. Amen. We're just going to pray for them because God loves them too. Amen. What happens if a protester comes to our church and we pray, all of a sudden God gets a hold of their heart and they run to the altar and ask God to forgive them. Amen. We need God to move in this church. Amen. We need God to move in this church. We need God to move in our hearts. But I feel in my spirit this morning, there's some that you're holding on to what's behind you. You're holding on. And it's going to kill you spiritually. The Holy Spirit is grieving for you. The Holy Spirit is calling out to you. 
and saying, come home. Come home. Quit looking back. Quit trying to serve two worlds because you can't do it. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It is time to serve God all the way, all the way, with all your heart. Revelation says this. He says, I counsel you. I counsel you to buy gold from me. Try it in the fire. See, that song this morning, Refiner, you sang it, but did you mean it? I need God in my life. When I, when I go to heaven, I don't, I don't want God saying, you know, Keith, we still didn't deal with this area in your life. I, I don't want that. Do you? I want to deal with it down here. Would you stand with me, please? Whatever spirit is out there is strong because it's fighting me in the entire message today. So whatever somebody's holding on to is strong. But guess what? My God is stronger. Are you willing to let it go today? Are you willing to turn your back on it and say, I only want Jesus? If that's you, I want you to walk out of your seat right now. Don't be embarrassed. It's time to make it right with God. Is there anybody this morning? It is time to come out of your seat and give it to God. Right now. Anybody. Come. Come. Is there anybody else? I'm going to give a little bit more time. Listen, if you come down here, if you can, if you can't kneel, you can go back to those seats, but I want the rest of you to kneel at the altar. This is between you and God. I'm going to come pray for you, but if you can't kneel at the altar, I want you to do that. This is between you and God. Is there anybody else? Come. This is between you and God. Come. I know some teenagers need to come. Don't be embarrassed. Nobody's judging you. We're here for you. Just pray. Pray. Give it to God. You know what it is. I'm going to come by and pray for you in just a moment. Is there anybody else? I know God's speaking. He's saying, give it up. Quit looking back. Quit looking back. Is there anybody else? I'm going to come by and pray with you. But if that's you, I want you to come right now. listening to our service. Be sure to catch the video edition of this on either YouTube or Facebook Live. Again, if you need prayer, contact us at 907-789-3605. May God richly bless you in all things.